Hello, everybody, and welcome into Apples and Geno's Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nate Nibblink, and I'll be your host. I've also got my guy Blake here with me. Blake, how are we feeling on this fine Sunday evening? It is fine. It's a fine Sunday evening. That's a perfect adjective. We live, baby. It feels good. Uh, actually, I forgot to put my beer in the fridge, and so I had to put it in the freezer for like 20 minutes, and I don't know. It's, it's not the, the best, drill. You know, but, but whatever. Let's, yeah. you know, it, it'll get you drunk. And that's all that matters, right? <laughs> Am I right? Okay, let's move on. <laughs> all right. Well, I think everybody tuning in has probably got a good idea of what we're going to be doing tonight. We're going to be doing what we always do, dive into some players performing well, some performing poorly, trying to make sense of that performance moving forward. But first, we have to play our favorite game, Two Truths and a Lie. And we were talking just before this. We're going to start keeping track now, Blake. It's official now. This means something. We don't know what it means exactly, but we have determined that there will be some sort of friendly wager attached to the <laughs> to these moving forward. So from from today, from episode number 98, we are starting to keep track of the score. And we'll uh, we'll update the listeners each week on how we're doing. Uh, but this week, I get I get first serve here, so I'm going to go ahead. This is going to be the 5v5 Team Corsi 4 Percentage Edition of the Two Truths and a Lie segment. Are you ready, Blake? I'm ready. I can see already you got complicated on me. You're doing Corsi 4 Percentage. What the hell is going on? Uh, that's that's fine. That's That's how it's going to be. Let's get to biz. I thought about going, you know, score and venue adjusted on this one just to throw more words into the mix and try to confuse you up front, but uh, I, I didn't end up going to that depth. Why are you doing this? All right, let's, yeah. <laughs> this is important, everyone. All right, let's go. All right, number one. St. Louis has a higher 5v5 Corsi 4 percentage than Calgary over the past two weeks. Number two. New Jersey has a higher 5v5 Corsi 4 percentage than Tampa Bay over the past two weeks. And number three, Philadelphia has a higher 5v5 Corsi 4 percentage than Boston over the past two weeks. Uh, just to note, these were taken before the games today. So Boston's game uh, here today on Sunday was not taken into account. Okay, so if Nate I wins, am. there's an asterisk beside it. I think that's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing here. All right, that's fine. Uh, Already hedging. I see how it is. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, very competitive over here. I have a problem, and uh, yeah, this is the solution. Um, okay, so I think yeah, you, you you're throwing some red herrings in here. There's there's a couple actually, which are a bit weird. So I gotta have to decipher that. Um, so, um, one that I think is definitely true is probably New Jersey has a higher five V five Corsi four percentage than Tampa. I think that seems reasonable. New Jersey's crushing and they're not having a lot of Corsi against their team. So I think that should be true. Um, and then it's between one or three. That is the lie. So let's look at this. St. Louis has a higher than higher than Calgary five V five Corsi four percentage, you know, St. Louis stinks, but so does Calgary. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. St. Louis is. I don't even, St. Louis is a team that I just barely follow. Like I just follow enough just so I can talk <laughs> intelligently, but yeah. Um, so that, that's reasonable. Um, Philly higher, uh, 5v5 Corsi 4 than Boston. That is a bigger red herring and I'm, I'm tempted to choose it because I don't know, you, you gave me a really obvious red herring last time and I chose it and it was right. Would you do it twice in a row? I don't know. I, you know what? I'm going to choose number three, uh, as the, or no, sorry, number, um, what am I doing? I'm just confusing myself. Right. Okay. <laughs> number one is the lie. St. Louis has a higher 5v5 Corsi 4 than Calgary. Number one's a lie. Book it. Confirmed. Well, I hate to do this in the first ever uh, two truths gun. and a lie that actually means something. Uh, but you beat me. You did it. Oh, oh baby. <laughs> see? This is very, very sophisticated paper, rock, scissors we're doing right here, everyone. Okay. Basically. Yeah. 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 So the reason that St. Louis does not have a higher 5v5 Corsi 4 percentage than Calgary over the past two weeks is that nobody has a higher 5v5 Corsi 4 percentage than Calgary over the past two weeks. The record may not reflect it, just 3-3, three and three, but the Calgary Flames, the number one Corsi 4 percentage in the league over the last two weeks at 5v5. Really impressive stuff and not something that I think a lot of people uh, were tuned into. So I wanted to bring that up. I thought this was a good segment to bring up some fantasy relevant stuff here. But St. Louis actually comes in at fourth on that list, which is unbelievable. Uh, a spot they have not been in at any point throughout this season. Um, you've 
heard me say in the past that St. Louis was a bit of a dumpster fire and the coach could get fired and a whole bunch of stuff like that. But uh, despite their record being two and four in the last uh, couple of weeks here, they actually do have the fourth best 5v5 Corsi 4 percentage, which is quite remarkable. And then uh, the other teams that I introduced here are also there for a reason, uh, but Basically, all four of the other teams I mentioned are in the bottom third of the league. So between New Jersey, Tampa, Philadelphia, and Boston, Philadelphia has the highest 5v5 Corsi 4 percentage over the last two weeks, which is not something I think you probably would have said just to look at the team names. Uh, But even Philadelphia is below 50%, 48.3% at 24th in the league. And Boston right below them at 25th. New Jersey right below them at 26th. And then Tampa down at 29th, sandwiched in between Arizona and Columbus. Um, Yeah, just kind of crazy stuff from teams that have been pretty steady at the top of the standings all season long, with the exception of Philadelphia, of course. Um, But yeah, there may be uh, a little bit of something going on with these three teams. I wanted to bring it up. Um, We're not going to delve into all the specifics of what could be going on with every single team here, but just be aware that uh, there could be some borrowed time for a few of these teams. If you're looking at especially the more peripheral guys on some of these teams, um, I'm thinking about a guy like Pavel Zaka, who I streamed this past week and did pretty good for me. Um, that's a player that I'm a little bit worried about, given this context here. Um, you think he's probably going to be all right attached to Pasternak, but if the team is not going to be in these advantageous situations, how long can he really hold on to that uh, kind of production? And then, obviously, peripheral guys like Tatar on uh, New Jersey or somebody like uh, Kalorn on Tampa... These are the kind of players that might also be uh, kind of overly affected if the team is uh, looking at a downturn here as a whole. Any thoughts on those, Blake? I thought those those were some really surprising names uh, in this team list when I was prepping this segment, and so I uh, wanted to bring it up for the listeners here. Yeah, absolutely. That that's something that 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 Apples and Genos brings to the table that I really enjoy. It's it's kind of these little segments of the season. It's not just the whole season what they're looking at. It's a segment of the season. And you know, to hear that over the last you know uh, the last little bit last two weeks that they're in the bottom you know quarter of the of the league. That's nuts. So uh, again, uh, obviously, Corsi four percentage it doesn't doesn't dictate you know wins and losses but it's just something to put on the back burner right something to keep in your mind when you're streaming guys in when you've when you're looking at trade targets when you're looking at moving off of someone like it's it's just great information and i um yeah they're all surprised to me honestly i mean besides besides philly but you know it's two truths and a lie i knew there's gonna be some red herrings in there so it, it makes sense but uh yeah that that's a that's a surprise for sure Yeah, I think it's really important to kind of reset your brain occasionally on these teams. Mm -hmm. I think especially in this kind of time frame in the season, you kind of get used to where players are at, how they're performing. You kind of feel like you've got a lock on the season and how it's going. But I really do think that there's a lot more variability uh, in the season than people give credit for. And especially in this time, you can kind of get set in your mind about what a player might be or what a team might be. Um, You know, a a thing that I always use these... uh, team stats for especially the 5v5 team stats is if i'm looking for a goalie stream against a team um, i'm looking at these team stats and seeing if they're controlling play in this way and so you know right now the numbers say you might actually be able to stream a goalie against a tampa bay if that goalie is also hot and on a decent team themselves like you know if i had daniel vladar say from calgary uh, a team that's crushing it at 5v5 currently and i wanted to stream him but say their next game was against tampa bay like that's a matchup that i might actually not be scared of uh, because of these stats i'm looking at whereas i think a lot of people would look and just say i don't want any part of tampa bay i'm just going to steer clear so yeah just little pieces of context like that don't get locked into um, a full season look at the league when in reality all these teams go through um much uh, much more variability over two-week stretches or 10-game stretches or whatever the case may be. I remember at the beginning of the year, Toronto started very slowly and uh, the world was falling down around the Leafs and uh, Toronto media was doing its bit to make sure that uh, everybody thought that the Leafs were never going to make the playoffs ever again. And uh, I remember just shaking my head and thinking, like, this is 
this is just one of those things. If it happened in the middle of the season, nobody would be talking about it. And right. so this is kind of that middle of the season point for a bunch of these teams, the Boston, the New Jersey, the Tampa Bay. Nobody's talking about it, but it is relevant, uh, and it is relevant for fantasy as well. No, it's good stuff, man. All right. Well, let's get into the main event here. Let's talk about performing well. Top of this list, we're going to go with Claude Giroux. Eight points in his last five games, uh, just under 18 minutes per game in this stretch. Uh, Pretty interesting stuff. Giroux has kind of been a little bit of an afterthought, I feel like, uh, with all the firepower in Ottawa lately. Um, this season, I guess you would say. Uh, but really, this last little bit, he's really turned it on and kind of come into his own. Maybe he's finally getting settled with the new team, whatever the case may be, currently crushing it. Do you have uh, a sense of whether this is the new Drew? Like, do you think it is just it took him, you know, half the season to get settled and now Drew is locked in? Uh, it's a great offensive team in Ottawa, if not a great defensive team. Do you think that he can sustain maybe not, you know, eight points for every five games, but do you think maybe he's a point per game player rest of the season? Or do you think this is maybe just a little bit more of a hot streak for him? Um, Yeah, a little column A, a little column B for sure. This is obviously he's on a hot streak, but. I mean, this this guy's been doing it his whole career, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I really like Giroux. I think he's he's underrated on that team just because of the firepower they do have, um, you know. But I think we forget like Giroux has some crazy skill. Like if you see some of these goals that he's scoring, like they're ridiculous. Toe drag, top corner, like just just nuts, you know. And, and he's he's thirty five. Like he's not you know spring chicken in in, in the NHL. So mm-hmm. um, I love that he's doing this. I, I absolutely agree. You know that that, um, you know, he, he's starting to pick it up. Uh, one thing I, I do notice sometimes when, like we're talking about streaks and everything, um, when the player gets on that hot streak really matters, you know? And I think, yep. you know, we're, we're 49 games into the season and now he's, he's starting to pick up his game to this level. Like, even if it cools off a little bit and he still is a point per game or just under a point per game, moving forward for the season like he's getting hot at the right time you know that's why it, it's it's always weird like these players at the beginning of the season they they go off and you know the, the first month or two of the season you look at the top scores and you're like oh wow and and it and by the end of the season it just settles to kind of back to the mean you know like what what is normal for the most part right except mm-hmm. for jason robertson and tage thompson I don't know what the hell they're doing in Josh Morrissey. I don't know what's going on there, but um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm into it. I mean, Giroux, where, where's he at? He, he plays line two in Ottawa, power play two. Um, he's playing with DeBrinket and and this new guy, Ridley Grieg. I don't know. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen um, a game. I've seen some highlights, obviously just Giroux's highlights, but um, Ottawa is obviously a very, um, they're a good offensive team. Uh, they're fifth in Corsi four per 60 in the entire league. So that's nice. And then they're 12th worst in Corsi against in, in the entire league for 60. So there you go. But they're win- winners of four of the last six, and Drew's a big part of that. Um, his shooting percentage is a bit high, but that, that'll probably come down. But I think that, you know, the assists and, and kind of the offense that's going on there in Ottawa is probably going to stick around. So cause, also because the Brinkett's been cold. So maybe they'll just yeah. maybe they'll just kind of switch, you know. Um, Brinkett will start scoring <laughs> some goals and Drew will get the assists, right? But I feel good about Drew moving forward. Um, I think he's locked in. His, his minutes are good. Yeah, it's it's great, and I think it's absolutely sustainable. Yeah, I tend to agree on on most of those counts on the season. Thirty two goal pace, seventy nine point pace, so just under uh, just under a point per game there. And really, you look at his recent stats, his ranks across the league: ninety first in shots per sixty, and one hundred third in individual scoring chances for per sixty among forwards. The last five games, those aren't great numbers, but again, his team context numbers do look pretty good. Corsi four per sixty, last five games thirty sixth. Scoring chances four per sixty, last five games twentieth. And that's kind of ringing true with where he's been uh, throughout the season. On the season, thirteenth in Corsi four per sixty, and twenty seventh in scoring chances four per sixty. So. That team context in Ottawa really showing up for Drew. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really showing up in his underlying stats. Uh, I think the shooting percentage is a bit high, so maybe not the 32-goal pace that you're looking at for the rest of the season. But then the on-ice shooting percentage, 10.4%, very reasonable. He's done better than that if with worse, with much worse teams in Philadelphia, to be honest. Um, so I do think that there's a pretty solid chance that that ticks up a little bit and you kind of wash out the goals with the assists for the rest of the season. And yeah, you could be looking at a guy who's just under a point per game. And I'm not really sure that, uh, you know, if you're going out to acquire Claude Drew, that most people are valuing him at that 
at that uh, kind of stretch, uh, that kind of point per game level. Like I, I still feel like Claude Drew to most people is a 65 to 70 point guy. And so you might be able to, you know, kind of tear up from a, another similar player if you uh if you can get a deal done, that includes Drew. So I am in favor of acquiring Claude Drew at this moment. Absolutely, um, Nate. What like in your experience with? Uh, I I find older players you get the shaft a lot. Like people just kind of steer away from them, like they're you know, like they they just there's no way they're going to be able to get back to kind of where they're at. But um, Drew is one of those guys to me. Like. You know, I steered clear of him for a similar reason, you know, uh, but guys like Malkin, you know, other other players that are, you know, getting up there in age. I find that some those are some of the most consistent fantasy performers that you'll find. They're just not fun yeah. players to pick up. Right. You're like, oh, I'll get yep. Claude Giroux, second line, second power play. But he's he's going to be like point per game, basically, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if what your experience is with that. But um, or do you stick? Do you steer clear of kind of older players or do you? just don't even look at that and you kind of analyze the stats. Yeah, there is definitely a, a scenario in which I'll consider that. Like Drew, I don't think was uh, a player that you could count on coming into this season to do what he's doing right now. Um, obviously, everything has clicked extremely well in Ottawa from an offensive standpoint, not from a defensive standpoint, but definitely on the offense side of things, it really has. And I don't think that that was like uh, a bet that, what smart people were necessarily making at the beginning of the season was that everything was going to click instantly in Ottawa and all these guys were going to be really valuable. Um, certainly you thought that among the kind of top six forwards that they had assembled, that there would be, you know, three or four guys that would have really good seasons. But uh, if you were going to pick a guy from that group to maybe kind of struggle a little bit, maybe you do pick the guy who's uh, a little bit on the far side of 30 and, right. um, maybe he has a little bit of tail off from that perspective. So I don't think it was necessarily bad process to be fading Drew at the beginning of the season. But once he started playing, the team context was obviously so good. And really the underlying stats on individual basis were no different from what he's been putting up for much of his career. At that point, um, I'm pretty much all the way back in. And I'm just looking at what the stats tell me at that point. They're telling me that there's no fall off for this player, at least for this season. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm happy to ride with them. Generally, unless I see something in the recent years uh, of statistics that tells me that there might be some sort of drop off coming on an individual level, then I'm happy to go back in on that player. Joe Pavelski, another uh, player right. that I have in a couple leagues this year, because you look at the advanced stats and the advanced stats look great. So um, that's kind of my feelings on uh, veteran players like that. <laughs> All right. That's a good that's a good segment there. I appreciate that question because I think it's really valuable uh, for the listeners. But we do need to keep rolling or we'll be here all night. We got to get into there we go. my guy, Willie Nylander from my Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, did put these stats together before the game here tonight, but he scored another goal tonight. So he's still just as hot as all this. Last five games, three goals, five assists for eight points. Uh, now you have Matthews out. You wonder how that will affect him. Obviously, tonight didn't affect him too much. He scored another goal tonight. In these last five games, uh, really impressive stuff under the hood from Nylander. 14th in shots per 60, 12th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 3rd in both Corsi 4 per 60, and in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Just, uh, yeah, over-the-moon kind of stuff from Nylander the last little bit. He's really kind of been doing this all season. It's been... Uh, uh, really just another step for Nylander, it seems like, uh, which is a little bit unusual for a player, uh, you know, kind of in his mid-20s. You kind of feel like you'd probably seen most of uh, the best that he could be, but it really seems like Nylander's uh, got to be under his bonnet this year for whatever reason, and he's taken another step. Uh, is that how you view it, Blake, or do you think that um, the Nylander of years past will come back at some point and we'll be wishing for what we had here earlier in the season? No, I, I think this guy's here to stay for sure. Um, he looks great. Um, the interesting thing with Nylander is, like you said, he's kind of taken another step, but he's doing it in the same amount of minutes. You know, he like it. Uh, his role on the team hasn't really changed. And again, uh, you know me, I, I always am looking at deployment as kind of one of the main things just at the start, you know, just sort of get me going. And yeah, his deployment is the is pretty much the exact same, you know, which is so strange for yeah. like, he's their best offensive player this year. And he was when Matthews was in the lineup too. Um, it was, he, he's just on another level this year. And um, 
I do think that with Matthews out right now, there, there's a there's a little bit of a boost for him because I don't think it was Matthews really driving his points. He was kind of making his own points, and Matthews was was doing that with him, right? So I I, th- I, I feel good about Nylander moving forward. Hopefully Matthews isn't out too long. I know it's three weeks, but I, I think I did the calculations. It was like if it's actually three weeks, it's going to be five games without Matthews, which right. is not terrible, right? That's best case scenario with a knee injury with a, with a guy like this, you know, I, I hope that they sort of just sat him down so that he's nice and healthy for the playoffs, like kind of strategically, like let's get this sorted out. Right. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Nylander best point pace, best power play time, best time on ice he's ever had. He's flying um, again with 18 minutes time on ice. I'd like to see that give you more. He, his ice time has crept up a little bit in the last few games. I'd love to see him 19, 20 minutes. It's just going to keep going. This guy's flying right now. And I actually hate it because I, I think I've told you, I traded Nylander uh, this season in the, my favorite league. I traded Nylander and Dougie Hamilton for Kale McCarr and uh, who was the other person? Tim Stusla. So yeah, it's, it's, it's working out for me. But right now when Nylander and Dougie Hamilton are killing it, it's like, what the hell yeah. is this? So, come on, Nylander. What are you doing to me, buddy? <laughs> yeah, under the hood, it does look like Nylander has taken another step this year. Um, I I kind of feel like we can attribute some of his steps this year to being more exposed to Matthews. Uh, he has played with Matthews at 5v5 for the majority of the year, where previously it had always been Marner and Matthews together, and then Tavares and Nylander on the second line. Um, so I do think that there might be there might be something there where Nylander is actually getting a little bit of the Matthews boost. Um, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Matthews is a better uh, 5v5 player than John Tavares at this point in both their respective careers. But that being said, like even on the season, Nylander's 15th in shots per 60, 18th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 5th in um, team scoring chances, 4 per 60. So yeah, all those stats just glowing uh, in terms of what Nylander's been able to do. 45 goal pace, 95 point pace. With Matthews out, you know, you probably take a step back from that for the short term. But as soon as he's back, I expect things uh, to kind of, yeah, go right back to the where they were. The one thing I will say with Nylander, he is a little hot on uh, shooting percentage would be the second highest mark of his career, 15.4% currently. And then he is rocking the highest on ice shooting percentage mark of his career at 12.7%. That's a full percentage point higher than uh, his previous best, which was last year. So there there are some signs that he might be a little hot right now, um, but we're talking about, you know, like maybe five, six, seven points uh, difference. So he goes from a 95-point player to a 90-point player, right? Like, um, it's it's a relatively small difference uh, in overall production that I'm talking about. So I'm not, uh, I'm not all that concerned, and the underlying stats look terrific, as I mentioned. So uh, all aboard the Willie train for now. All right. He's cooking something up. All right. Well, why don't we talk about Dougie Hamilton since you uh, want to commiserate or why are you uh, doing this to me? All right, this is just her miserable. Right, that's fine. <laughs> but Dougie Hamilton, uh, pretty much the same stats as Nylander the last little bit here. Three goals and five assists for eight points in his last five games amongst defensemen, just crushing all the underlying stats. Fourth in shots per 60, second in individual scoring chances, four per 60, 20th in Corsi, four per 60, and 12th in scoring chances, four per 60. And mentioning, you know, New Jersey as a team has actually taken a step back uh, at 5v5, and here's Dougie Hamilton absolutely crushing it. So it's definitely not something that Hamilton's doing on the season. This is a 22-goal, 77-point pace that Hamilton is on. Um I don't know. I think Dougie Hamilton is probably a top three fantasy defenseman rest of season. Uh, I don't think that's a stretch. Uh, is there anything much more to say about Hamilton or is he just this good? That's funny. Let me read what I put in the show notes. Dougie Hamilton, what more can you say? Uh, he's elite this season, could be top three D-man by the end of the fantasy season. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah, I mean, geez. Uh, the thing I love about Dougie Hamilton is he scores goals and he shoots. Damn. Like, he, he's getting yeah. a ton of perifs, but his shots are elite for a defenseman. I love that. And, you know, 
we've talked about New Jersey at length throughout the season here and they're starting to convert and obviously they've taken a step back in that realm. But yeah, like you said, Dougie Hamilton, he doesn't care. All right. Teach me how to Dougie buddy. Let's get the biz. This guy's killing. Uh, I love that. I'd love if he gets 20 goals, you know, he should, uh, I think 20 goals is like a, almost feels like a floor for Dougie Hamilton when he's playing like this. Right. So I'm here yeah. for it. I love it. I wish I didn't trade him, but I got my car. I don't know. He's dinking around. Come on, buddy. What are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to uh, be too sad when you get Makar out of any deal. But right. yeah, if I'm looking at the underlying numbers, the shooting percentage a touch high for Dougie Hamilton. But again, I'm talking about a percentage point or two, nothing too crazy. On ice shooting percentage doesn't feel too out of line for me. It's a little bit high at 11.7 percent, but you know. Um, what am I going to take him down to? Maybe 11%. Uh, I don't think that's uh, too much to be worried about. And what's interesting, especially with Hamilton of late, he's over 24 minutes uh, average time on ice the last five games on the season, just over 22 minutes. So if they're going to lean on him even more and he's still going to be putting up the same rate stats, um, yeah, we could be looking at a guy point per game rest of season pretty easily from the blue line. So um yeah i don't know what you'd have to pay to acquire dougie hamilton in your league right now i, th I feel like it might be a lot it might be a kill mccarr level uh kind of player that you'd have to include to get some sort of deal done uh, but i do think this production is for real i don't think it's going away anytime soon another defenseman i want to talk about cam fowler from the anaheim ducks and fowler just off the dougie hamilton pace the last five games three goals four assists for seven points for fowler 12th in shots per 60 amongst defensemen in these last five games, which is not a space that we've really seen Fowler occupy in these mm -hmm. uh, kind of lists. Uh, 37th in Corsi 4 per 60 and 60th in scoring chances 4 per 60, which are uh, mediocre numbers uh, for a defenseman, I would say, uh, at least for a fantasy-relevant defenseman. So overall on the season, he's on a 12-goal, 42-point pace. He is still crushing ice time every time he's out there. He's the Ducks' even-strength ice time leader. Also on the top power play, has held that pretty much the entire season. At this point, I think Fowler could be a little more than a streamer. Um, I think there's at least a chance that we're looking at a Ducks team that's very young, that's actually figuring some things out for the back half of the season, um, at least offensively. Uh, maybe not defensively, but at least offensively. You know, if Mason McTavish really comes on the back half of the season, what does that look like for this team? Uh, if, you know, the offseason additions, Frank Vitrano had a hat-trick game last week. Um, if Ryan Strom starts to figure things out a little more, you could be looking at an Anaheim Ducks team that's suddenly not a complete wasteland offensively, and Fowler could be a guy who benefits so I don't know. Am I too far off base to say that he might be an actual hold here? Or are you still just treating him as any other streamer? Yeah, I, I think he's a streamer with benefits. We talked about that before, right? <laughs> so, you know, he, first off, Anaheim has a great schedule for the upcoming week, right? Week 17. Yeah. So Cam Fowler should be rostered for that week. No question. I think, um, you know, he, he should be rostered. Um, based on all the things you just said, he's got amazing deployment and he's on a heater. So that's nice. Um, to me, the goals aren't real, right? But the assists, the power play points could hold. Um, the, the thing about Fowler that does kind of suck is he doesn't hit for a defenseman. Like yeah. he barely hits. What are you doing, man? Like, ha shouldn't you just run into someone accidentally? Like, no, <laughs> he doesn't do that. All right. But that, that's totally fine. Um, you know, he blocks, so that's good. But his deployment is great. And one thing uh, I've been uh, thinking about a lot lately is just these teams that are already out of playoff contention, like Anaheim, Phoenix, you know, Chicago. Um, I feel like the pressure's off at that point. When you're out of it this, you know, this soon in the season, like they're not gripping yeah. the sticks anymore. Meanwhile, there's teams like Calgary that are trying to get into the playoffs or whoever else, right? And, you know, you're losing to An uh, Anaheim and people are like, what are you doing? How'd you do it? And meanwhile, these guys are just laughing yeah. their heads off, right? So I think there's a I, I look for players on, on or certainly streaming uh, level players on these teams, you know, guys on Arizona, Anaheim, like this will be an interesting week coming up uh, because, yeah, they, they got yeah. that great schedule. So you go pick up an Adam Henrique, you go pick up cam fowler you go pick up you know who, who else is out there like yeah mason mctavish right i i wouldn't be surprised if they put a nice week together right they're 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 playing loose they they're they're playing for bedard right now not for the playoffs so you yeah. know it's kind of a kind of a good situation 
Yeah, I definitely don't mind it. There's some interesting things going on with the Ducks here recently, and Fowler is both a beneficiary and mm-hmm. a contributor, uh, really, yep. in the last little bit here. Uh, really nice to see see those shots ticking up. I don't know if I really trust it that the shots are going to stick around forever. Uh, but like I mentioned, if there is a chance that the Ducks as a team take a step forward, then Fowler could really be a part of that. You could see him get up to that you know, 50-point pace for the rest of the season. That's not out of the realm of possibility here. And like you said, like you got a week upcoming here where you pick Fowler up for the week, you see how those four games go, and then you decide after that, is Fowler um, continuing at this pace or you know, maybe not at a seven point for every five game space, but um, continuing at a, a higher pace than previously thought. And you can make your decision on whether you're going to continue to roster him moving forward from there. What have you done for me lately, Cam Fowler? All right, come on. Give me some good games here, buddy, please. All right. Another guy who's been given some good games recently is Nick Schmaltz. Four goals, three assists, seven points in his last five games, skating over 20 minutes a night. Nick Schmaltz, a guy that uh, we've been talking about a fair bit. I've been talking about him on my Yahoo articles, trying to get his roster ship numbers pumped up. <laughs> but uh, so far, people on Yahoo not so into the Nick Schmaltz. Uh, but I do think that if you look at his full season numbers here, uh, he's only played 34 games, has dealt with injury this year, but he's still on a 27-goal, 68-point pace. He's getting the most uh, time on ice of his career uh, this year, so that's really... Uh, beneficial and then Mm -hmm. everything else just kind of looks in line with his career numbers for me at this point i think schmaltz is a guy who you know maybe if he's on a better team he doesn't get this kind of extreme deployment this kind of extreme usage but if he had you know one more winger to play with him uh, both that even strength and on the power play i really feel like there could be a guy here nick schmaltz who could honestly touch a point per game I don't think that's crazy to say and so I do think you're going to get weeks where Nick Schmaltz goes off like this and has some big output for your team you know depending on your league size he may not be much more than a streamer but I'm definitely looking at Schmaltz anytime that Arizona has a half decent schedule because I do think he's one of the highest upside guys week to week uh, that's commonly available on a lot of waiver wires yeah, I love that. Uh, agree with everything you said. It just goes right along with what I was saying about Anaheim. Like, is there is there any reason why Nick Schmaltz is not rostered at this point? Like, what does he have to do? You know, are people concerned about plus minus? Do you do you do plus minus in your leagues? Like, because if you do, you shouldn't. All right, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so, you know, this this guy's he's killing it right now. So, um, you know, his his hot streak is bolstered by a, a four-point game that he had. But his, like you said, his time on ice is great. His line is hot with, uh, he's playing with Keller and Barrett Hayton has, has been playing well. Um, he's not giving you any perifs, all right? He's, uh, he's, he's even worse than Cam Fowler. Like, how's this possible? Um, but, you know, he's trending upward and his team, like I said, they're out of contention. So I think there's, the pressure's gone. They're able to just play loose. And I, I'm a big fan of Nick Schmaltz. Like, um, you know, he, he doesn't shoot a ton. But he's like he's an efficient shooter, right? Mm-hmm. So you know he had in a season last year he you know he had fifty nine points in sixty three games. Um, he shot at eighteen point seven percent. This year he's down he's down from that, but at fifteen point nine percent, which is still high. But that makes me think that it's sustainable, right? Like his career average is is yeah. just under fourteen. So what you know this is this looks good to me. I don't see why he can't continue to do this. And just like you said, on Arizona, he's getting he's going to get twenty minutes a night. He's going to get all the power play time he wants. Let's get to biz. Nick Nick Schmaltz, I think, is definitely a guy that you should be at the very least streaming in, and he could be a rest of the season guy. Absolutely. Another guy who has captured our interest, at least for streaming and maybe for a little bit more lately, Philip Heedle from the New York Rangers, up to four goals and six points in his last five games, still skating just about 15 and a half minutes uh, time on ice uh, through this last little stretch. The underlying stats are not super great for Heedle. Uh, 70th in shots per 60 amongst forwards in this stretch. 68th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. Not terrible, but definitely not like upper echelon. The team stat numbers, 142nd in Corsi, 4 per 60. 193rd in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Not so great. Uh, but through all that, he's been producing. And he's actually been doing it longer than the last five games, too. If you go back even 10 games, he's been on kind of this point-per-game pace the last little bit. So I think that Hedl is 
heating up, uh, pardon the pun there, but on the season, 32 goal pace, 58 points. Uh, This is not something that I think a lot of people saw coming. Uh, I will say that this excites me a little bit with Hedl because he is someone that I had kind of flagged mentally uh, before the season. Just for myself, not that I thought that there was really going to be a lot of fantasy relevance for this player. You know, it kind of seemed locked into this third line role, which he's still occupying. He's just kind of overproducing right now. Um, But the three seasons prior to the season, you'd seen the shots per 60 tick up season after season. Same thing on the individual scoring chances, four per 60. Did crack that 10 individual scoring chances, four per 60 mark that I like to see last season. So that was a, a major sign for me that kind of put him on my radar. This season, it is really some unsustainable percentages that seem to be pushing him up here, uh, I would say. But I don't know, like for a player that, you know, previously I had had my eye on for him to be producing in really not a great context team-wise, uh, that kind of excites me because, you know, what happens when this guy does get into a better context because of how well he's playing, right? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little too optimistic for a guy who's not currently in a great deployment situation. Uh, maybe I should be treating this like any other hot streak, but I think my priors on Filipino are kind of showing here, and I'm a, I'm a little excited. <laughs> yeah. Just calm down, Nate. All right, calm the hell down. All right. No, All you're right. absolutely you're absolutely right. I I love that, and and again, that's that's what is so valuable. What you're doing here, you're not just you're taking a holistic view of the guys. You know, now we're going into last season, right? And that's that's how you find these players, right? So I, I'm I'm excited to hear that too because. Yeah, um, you know he's unsustainable. His shooting percentage is off the off the rails. Like, what are we doing? You know, um, but I I think he's a young guy. He's only twenty three, so yep. y- you love he's going to have a season like this. You know, I don't think he's going to maintain the fifty eight point pace, but if he gets forty five points or maybe fifty points, I mean that's a nice little season for Filipino on the third line, right? And the other thing. I, I first the other thing I actually I hate to see good uh, prospects on the Rangers. They just what are they doing with their prospects? They just don't put them in a position to, to succeed. Like, let's just throw Chris Kreider out there for 20 minutes. You know, what are you doing? Um, and I like Chris Kreider too, but I mean, th- this guy's obviously got some skill, um, you know, and his line's cooking right now. He's, he's got some familiarity with that line. Um, so he's with uh, Capo Caco and Lafreniere. Caco has five assists in his last five games. Lafreniere has four points in his last five games. So they're just, they're just on a heater right now. And, and I like that you pointed out that, it doesn't make sense like analytically, like they're just, they're just hot. They're just converting. It's, you know, the luck metrics or whatever. Right. So what happens if he gets back to kind of what we've seen in the past? Right. And I think he will, he's only 23, right. And it might not happen this season, but this is a player to watch. This is certainly um, the Rangers have a four games uh, stream in here next week. Right. So after you get past that first week, like it's a two week stream in week 17. So you get past that first week, you can go pick up Philip Hedel and feel good about yourself. All right. And just know, that Nate is excited. All right. <laughs> Very excited. All right. Before we get into players performing poorly, I do want to remind you to check out the Apples and Geos Discord server. We've got tons of people in there talking 24-7 about fantasy hockey. You can come in there, ask questions about your uh, trade that came into you. This is trading season. Everybody's jockeying for position for playoffs. Everybody's trying to make their teams better. So come in and get your trade questions in, and I'm sure a half a dozen people will probably be more than happy to give you their opinions on everything that's going on. If you want a guaranteed response from myself uh, on your whatever it is, trade question, add drop question, whatever it is uh, if you want a guaranteed response from me on any topic fantasy hockey related you can sign up for the apples and genos patreon five bucks a month gets you into that tier Uh, you'll have access to a special spot in the discord server where you can ask those questions and i guarantee a response to every single one of them You'll also get a weekly article on who to pick up uh, for your weekly waiver wire Um, basically how to use your ads for every single week is what I'm providing there. So check that out if that's something of interest to you. All right, Blake, are you ready to dig into the guys performing poorly? I'm ready. Yeah, none of them are on my team currently, so that makes me feel good about myself. (laughs) <laughs> all right well number one you know who it had to be here right yeah like, gotta be there can only be number one here <laughs> <laughs> with nick suzuki a guy that i've uh i've 
kind of taken a crap on Nick Suzuki this year more than <laughs> once. Uh, and yeah, unfortunately, I feel like I got to do it again. Suzuki, one assist in his last five games, despite playing over 23 minutes a night. The underlying stats just look atrocious. 240th amongst forwards in shots for 60 through this stretch. 289th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. On the team side, no better. 212th in Corsi, 4 per 60. 244th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. We all know the context here. Cole Caulfield out for the season now. It sound like, sounded like he was playing through some pretty serious uh, shoulder injuries. And the fact that he was able to maintain any kind of uh, scoring prowess while dealing with that is uh, pretty impressive as far as I'm concerned. But now Suzuki doesn't have his favorite goal-scoring machine to set up. And uh, yeah, I've, I've gotten questions. Is Nick Suzuki a drop now? Like, would you just straight-up drop Nick Suzuki? Uh, what do you think, Blake? Are we dropping Nick Suzuki or is that a, a bridge too far already? Yeah, you know what? If it, what I love about this podcast, if there's any chance to talk some Yang on Nick Suzuki, <laughs> we do it. All right. Uh, yeah, I want. Actually, we haven't even talked about the Vinny Trocheck thing, which is amazing. But you know what? I want next. That's I true. want a shout out from Nick Suzuki about the Apples <laughs> and Geno's podcast. I'm gonna try and make that happen. All right, uh, Nick. All right. Have your people call my people. All right. I don't have any people. Just it's literally just my Gmail. All right. But. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't think you can drop Nick Suzuki. You just can't, um, not with that kind of deployment, but it's going to hurt. Um, it's, you know, we talked about him all season. He's overachieving it. It, you know, it doesn't match the numbers that we're seeing. Right. So he, he had Cole Caulfield there and there, there was some, you know, just some good stuff going on there. Were, they were reaching, they were overreaching. And now I think he's not going to, he's going to be underreaching because Caulfield's gone. So uh, it's going to be pretty bad. I think with Nick Suzuki, like, um, you know, what is, what is this? What is this points right now? He's 38 points in 50 games. I'd be surprised if he gets to 60. Honestly, I don't think that Nick Suzuki is going to get 60 points. Um, but when you got a player that's playing 24 minutes a night you, on, you know, first line center, first yeah. power play, you, you can't drop that player. You just can't, but it's going to hurt. So hopefully you got him at value in draft season. Um, you know, I don't really have too much to say other than, you know, I'm going to reach out to Nick Suzuki and, and, and kind of get his side of things and, <laughs> you know, see what's going on there. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a rough season. Also, Cole Caulfield, um, I read just an article from him saying that if they were in contention for the playoffs, he would still be playing. So that that's kind of interesting. So there's some stuff like that mm -hmm. going on around the league. Like, you know, you heard about Ilya Mikhaev and, um, yeah, just a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we don't really know about, you know. But they, they shut this yeah. guy down because they're like, we're not going to make the playoffs. So let's get you yeah. nice and healthy for next season. Right. So that's where and we're at. Also, they have a chance at Connor Bedard. So yeah, yeah. It's a good season to, you know, uh, you know, go take the rest of the season off uh, cold coffee. Yeah, well, I'm fine. Okay. No, no, no. Take it off. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Suzuki will be next on that. Yeah, point. sure. Yeah. Uh, Suzuki, you just take a rest. You're fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing with Suzuki, like if you look at, on the season here, he's on a 26 goal, 62 point pace. That's actually even down from where I thought he would be. And even with him being down from my projection form at the beginning of the season, uh, his numbers still look pretty unsustainable. 17% shooting percentage still, a little bit high on the on-ice shooting mm -hmm. percentage. His shots for 60 have come off uh, in a big way this year. Individual scoring chances, 4 for 60 down. It really kind of feels like uh, Nick Suzuki is not somebody who can create on his own in the way that maybe a Cole Caulfield can, at least in terms of shots and, and scoring chances uh, on an individual basis. Um, Suzuki's always been known a bit more as a playmaker, so that's not terribly surprising. Uh, but when he doesn't have anyone to pass the puck to, that's when things start to get really hairy. Uh, honestly, like you're saying that it wouldn't surprise you if Suzuki doesn't hit 60 points on the season. Like In a lot of leagues, that's a player that uh, you might be able to drop if there's a bad week. Uh, so I don't think it's crazy to drop Nick Suzuki uh, personally. It depends on the week. It depends on the options. You know, it, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of uh, ifs and maybes about this. But I don't think it's crazy uh, to be considering dropping Nick Suzuki at this point. Nate was just waiting for a for just any minute. Like Nick Suzuki, get the hell out of my sight. Get off my team, <laughs> Nick Suzuki. All right. He didn't even wait. He dropped him like two months ago when he was on a heater. He didn't care. That's, <laughs> that's fine. All right. Another guy who uh, is just totally scuffling right now jack eichel zero yeah. points his last five games uh who saw this coming still getting 18 plus minutes a night um are you concerned about jack eichel here blake 
Yeah, you know, Eichel is a weird player for me. I, I don't have a pulse on Jack Eichel. It's just, I, I followed him a little bit kind of in his two seasons where he was leading up to like, oh, he's going to break out. He's, you know, like like the way Jack Hughes kind of, you know, he had two seasons where you're like, okay, like, I think he's going to be really good. And, and you know, Eichel got injured in his year that was like, oh, yeah, I think he's going to be really good. So, I don't know. Vegas mm-hmm. is, is just a strange team. I don't really have a pulse on Eichel, but it is strange to see. I mean, this guy's... He's a he's a an elite offensive option, and um, just Vegas in general has has not been playing very well. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot to say on Jack Eichel, but what I can see is like everything is kind of chugging along the way that it normally does. It's just he's not converting. Um, you know, his ice time is down a little bit. Vegas is not playing well. I don't know. It, this is this is a tough one for me. I don't know what's your what's your thought on on uh, Eichel here. Yeah, I honestly think there's kind of two things here. The first thing is um, really just the ice time. So deployment yep. overall down for Eichel this year on the season, averaging uh, 18 minutes, 53 seconds uh, time on ice. That would be the lowest of his career, even lower than his rookie season. So that would definitely be one reason why he couldn't hit that kind of ceiling uh, that we we're expecting him to hit. Really, the shots per 60 looks pretty in line. The individual mm-hmm. scoring chances, 4 per 60, looks pretty in line with his career numbers. Shooting percentage at 11% would actually be the second highest of his career, believe it or not. Um, he's always been a volume shooter more than a, a kind of efficient shooter, I guess you could say. And then the on-ice shooting percentage is one that feels light, 9.8%. You really think that there should be a way that Eichel should be able to get more points out of his line mates, essentially, uh, and get a little bit more conversion. The on-ice numbers are kind of the best of his career, so the scoring chance is 4 per 60, um, best number of his career by far, and not by far, but still the best number of his career in Corsi 4 per 60. So those numbers look good. It's just uh, they haven't been converting basically the rest of his team. He's converting at his normal rate. The rest of the team is not. So that's kind of how I feel about Eichel on the season now. He's on a 73-point pace. I feel like he should probably be on pace for about a point per game, um, and that's what you should expect from Eichel, just given that he's in this, uh, yeah, like 18- to 19-minute range, whereas previously, like in Buffalo, he was eclipsing 20. There was one season he skated 22 minutes a night on average, Um that's a that's a big difference. Like that that makes a big difference in terms of the yeah. counting stats you're able to put up uh, at the end of the season. So I think that's kind of the thing with with Eichel is that uh, basically those two things: the average time on ice and then the team not really converting uh, the way you'd expect. So for me, I don't really see a, a significant reason why it's going to change a lot. I think he can get back up from 73-point pace to a point per game if the team starts to convert a little bit more around him. I'm not, like, super concerned. I know he came back from injury, and some people are saying, right. you know, is there an underlying thing that's going on here? In these last five games, you know, uh, 59th in shots per 60 and but 23rd in individual Corsi 4 per 60. Um, so I don't know. It doesn't feel like it's too far off um, for a five-game stretch uh, that this is really indicative that he's you know playing through something. I'm not sure that's the case uh, with Eichel here. I just think that it's probably a bit of an unlucky stretch, and he's getting a little unlucky with this team overall, but he's also just getting less deployment, and that's going to lead to probably a slight disappointment uh, in terms of his fantasy output on the season. Vegas has always been a really weird team to me. Like they don't, when they got Eichel, I was excited because it's a true like elite offensive option. But if you look down their lineup, I mean, they're, they're rolling lines first off, like their, their top three lines are basically their top two lines almost just in terms of ice time. And it's just, who's he playing with, you know, Chandler Stevenson, you know, or what, or who, who's he with right now? Like, yeah, March March is so who I, I do like, but he still hasn't really popped off in the, in the way that sort of the analytics show that he should pop off. And then I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking at Daily Face right now. Paul Cotter? What? Yep. Who the hell is Paul Cotter? <laughs> Shout out to Paul Cotter. We want to get that uh, Apples and Geno's intro. Paul Cotter, that's my next uh, next one. <laughs> next but yeah, target. it's just, yeah, you need some players to play with. And, and with Mark Stone out, I mean, that makes it, that was the other kind of big option there, I think, on Vegas. And yeah, he's, he's uh, it'll be interesting to see if Vegas does anything at the trade deadline because the team's in a good position. But, you know, are they going to try and supplement Jack Eichel somehow? I, I think it would behoove them to do that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. Um, a player who will be interesting to see what happens with going forward as well is Travis Konechny from the Philadelphia Flyers. There's been some trade talk about Konechny, mm-hmm. uh, which honestly was kind of surprising to me because it felt like he might be a building block for this team uh, moving forward. But uh, now that the, uh, I guess, early season has worn off and we're into the dog days of January, Konechny's uh, point production has fallen off a little bit. Just one assist in his last five games, still getting 19-plus minutes a night. 53rd in the league in shots per 60 over his last five games, but 157th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. Team contact's pretty bad here. 187th in Corsi, 4 per 60, and 230th in scoring chances, 4 per 60 in these last five games. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this is the beginning of the end of the uber-efficient 90-plus point pace Travis Konechny, or do you think he can get back up there and this is just a blip? It's probably the end. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's probably somewhere in between, but I would, I would bet it's going to be on the lower end, right? I mean, th- this pace that he was on this year was, was surprising for sure. Um, Philly seemed like, you know, it, it's interesting to me that, yeah, in the last four games or five games, like nothing doing, but I feel like it was just recently we're, we're talking about how awesome Konechny is, like go pick up Scott Lawton, like everybody's killing it out there. And uh, yeah, Philly's kind of just falling off off the map here, um, you know, Konechny included, right? So it, it's just yeah. the type of team they have currently. It, it's not a good team. And, you know, they, they go through these phases here where, where they're putting pucks in the net and, you know, Kevin Hayes is going off and everybody else. But um, yeah, I... I think connecting he's a he's a great piece if he gets traded somewhere like that that would surprise me actually just because they have some so much invested into connect he's a first round pick and he's performing so i don't know i i was having this conversation about kuzmenko actually recently just you know signing players developing players and then trying to trying to sell high on them And, and it's just such a weird thing to me like what why would philly trade this guy to get a draft pick that they hope turns out like Travis Konechny. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. So if they traded him, I would be very surprised. But, I mean, he's going to be fine. I think fantasy-wise, he's must roster, uh, you know, at this point with kind of what he's doing. We got to kind of see it out now at this point or see it through. But, yeah, I, I would not kind of expect a 90-point pace moving forward. Maybe more like a, you know, 65, 70-point pace for for Konechny. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a fair analysis. I do think that, you know, on an individual level, Konechny's having the best season of his career. Um, the shots per 60, individual mm-hmm. scoring chances, four per 60, it's all up there, and he's maintaining that at a extremely high usage level, uh, over 20 minutes, average time on ice on the season. And, yeah, there are some markers of unsusta- unsustainability here. The individual points percentage or IPP over 80%. The shooting percentage would be the second highest of his career and pretty decently above his career average. The on-ice shooting percentage would be the highest mark of his career by about a point and a half, uh, percentage point and a half. So there are some markers of unsustainability here, uh, but he is on an 89-point pace. So coming (laughs) off the 89-point pace down to, you know, 70, 75-point pace for me, I would feel comfortable for a guy getting this kind of usage and who's actually, you know, on an individual level at least performing pretty well. Um, I still think he's got something to offer. I just think that, yeah, he was he was running really hot for a while there. And so this is probably just a bit of the regression back coming to hit him and knock him back down a couple pegs. And, yeah, you, he'll still be plenty usable. But if you were thinking that you had a 90-point player in Travis Konechny, I think you, uh, you might be a little sorely mistaken for the rest of the season here another player who has exceeded expectations this year in a big way is josh morrissey uh, but he is in the performing poorly section here alongside Konechny. just one assist in his last five games despite getting almost 25 minutes a night through these five games uh in these last five games among defensemen 52nd in shots per 60 doesn't look great but fourth in individual scoring chances four per 60 which is obviously terrific and the team numbers look really good here too 18th in Corsi four per 60 fourth in scoring chances four per 60 these last five games um so it seems like the team is doing well around him and the 
individual scoring chances for look pretty good, but he's not converting. Do you think it's just efficiency that's a problem here, or do you think maybe the uh, Morrissey-Norrissey uh, conversation may have run its course? I think it's just the ebb and flow of the season, right? The, uh, and again, I, I've talked at length about just defensemen and, and tempering expectations, right? This guy's not Dougie Hamilton, okay? He's Josh Morrissey. All right. So when you draft the Josh Morrissey this this season, if you if we would have said like, yeah, Josh Morrissey got 51 points, he'd be like, what? Oh, yeah, this is this is good stuff. Right. He has 51 points right now. But, you know, or yeah. So, you know, everything that he does now to me is icing. Right. It would be nice mm -hmm. if he could kind of get back to to his pace that he was on. But like the numbers are showing that they're getting lots of chances and um, Morrissey is getting tons of deployment. And also he's driving a lot of, of offense there. He's putting a lot of pucks towards the net, right? So it's going to, it's going to come back. This is just an ebb and flow to me of the season. Um, so I'm not worried about Morrissey at all. He's, he's been a surprise, such a surprise this year. And I'm happy to see it. I'm happy for the guy. Yeah. I don't think we probably won't be talking about him next week, right? He's, he's going to be fine. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I do think he'll be fine. Uh, I do still think, as I mentioned before, that his numbers are pretty wildly inflated, especially yeah. relative to his career numbers. I'm not discounting that he may have taken a step. It is harder to see uh, for defensemen in the individual numbers when they take that step if they're not just like shot-producing defensemen like a Dougie Hamilton. Right. Um, then when they take that step and they yeah. start providing a bunch more assists, then you start to be like, oh, it just looks like his IPP went up a whole bunch and that's going to regress. That's not always the case. It could just be that he's taking a step and he's a better playmaker now than he ever was before. Um, that's definitely a possibility, especially with defensemen. It's harder to tell. That being said, his IPP is 58% this year. The best mark of his career before this was 40.8%. So you're talking about a, what is that, 17% increase um, over his previous career high, almost half again, his highest uh, points percentage. So that's obviously going to come down. Highest shooting percentage of his career uh, by a fair margin as well. Highest on-ice shooting percentage. It's all there. Um, obviously, a lot of marks for regression. It is the highest uh, Corsi 4 per 60 and highest scoring chances 4 per 60 of his career as well. So definitely, as a team, uh, Winnipeg is supporting uh, a little bit more of this production. So I don't discount that. I do think Marcy was going to have the best season of his career, uh, regardless of some inflated percentages here. Uh, but in terms of the 82-point pace that he's on, the point-per-game pace that he's on, I do think that that's probably not going to happen. I do think that this stretch of just the one assist in his last five games, probably, again, just some regression coming for him that he had coming for quite some time. And it wouldn't surprise me if he has a little bit more regression to deal with yet. Um, rest of season, you know, maybe I'd put him on uh, 55 to 65-point pace uh, somewhere in there. I think that'd be plenty reasonable for him um i do think there's downside below that but um just given how decent uh winnipeg has looked all year and they got nikolai ehlers uh, back now and he's been gangbusters since he came yeah. back i do think that uh, the offense that they have there in winnipeg is good enough to sustain a lot of points for josh morrissey as long as he just you know keeps getting in on his fair share so uh that's where i'm at with morrissey uh, i think he's going to be plenty viable just uh if I think we've seen the best of his season already. And so yeah. just temper expectations moving forward. I think something with Morrissey too, just to throw in here real quick is I think this is going to price him out next season, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, he's had an amazing first half, right? And like I said, this, everything from this point on is icing. So he gets 20 points in the last 30 games. That's, you know, 71 points. What the, you know, he's going to be priced yeah. way out. I I'm not touching Josh Morrissey next season, unless you know, some of these analytics like go crazy and he just, just goes off. But I, I think he's really going to price himself out in draft season next year. And I think he's going to be overdrafted. Yep. I would concur. He's like, realistically, he's probably going to be like a third round pick next year uh, at this point, unless something really crazy happens the last part of the season here. So yeah, at that price point, I'm definitely going to be off Morrissey. There's going to be other guys like Dougie Hamilton's going to go in that range next year. And Big Dougie. Hamilton and Hamilton and Morrissey, there's no contest there for me. No kidding. 
All right, one more player we got to talk about is Morgan Riley, who before tonight's game had one assist only in his last five games. He did score his first goal of the season tonight against the Washington Capitals. Uh, Does that inspire confidence for you, Blake, moving forward? Is Morgan Riley all the way back? And he's going to be, you know, this elite offensive power play one defenseman, or do you think there's some middle ground we need to hit here? Um, no, he's not all the way back, uh, by any means, but I think anyone watching these Leafs games under knows that, right. But everything is there ready for him to kind of, you know, pep up here. Um, he's no, one's really coming for his minutes unless they do some weird five forward power play in Toronto. Like he's good to go. He's like, he's getting power play one Matthews will be back. Hopefully let's say five games. Right. And the, the, the Leafs, even without Matthews, like they're still killing, they're still, you know, um, yeah, getting they're They're well in the playoffs. They're having a good season. Um, they can afford for Riley to sort of ramp up as slowly as he has. Right. But um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's been pretty painful for sure. Like he's only had six points total since he returned. So six points in 16 games you know, since returning from injury, not what you expected from Morgan Riley. Right. But I mean, Toronto has six wins in their last 10 games. So that that's kind of good too. So it, it it's a good situation for Morgan Riley to figure it out. But I mean, we know what he's capable of doing like 68 points last year. What the hell? I, I don't see that. That didn't seem too crazy to me. I mean, his shot count was way up from the year before. So he, he's going to have to start upping his shots again because he's down. Yeah. He, his good season, he was 2.7 per game. Now he's 1.9. You know, we'd, I'd like to see that more, but he's getting more power play time. His ice time's good. It, it's gonna e- it's gonna even out. He's uh, he's on a low right now, but I, I like Morgan Riley. If you got him, I'm, I'd be happy to have Morgan Riley. He's a buy low, in my opinion, because I think he's gonna he's gonna be good for the last half of the season. Get the All Star break, get rested, you know, get right. Matthews comes back. Now we're cooking. Yeah, I think there's some legitimacy to that. I do think that there is potential that the Leafs do use that five man, mm-hmm. that five forward power play. Um, I, again, whenever somebody uses a five forward power play, I always think of it as uh, a limited time experiment because yeah. that's all it's ever been. Like no team has gone more than like I think like six games or something using a five man or a five forward power play. First shorthanded like, goal uh, scored against, it's done. Yeah. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. Uh, yeah, I I just think that it's not something that uh, a lot of teams are willing to entertain. Uh, when it starts to go poorly, they always switch it out. So I do think that Riley gets back on that that top power play for the majority of the rest of the season. But, you know, there could be some stretches um, that are going to really frustrate you where they do go back to the five forward power play. Right. So keep that in mind. Uh Underlying stats here, pretty light on the IPP, the shooting percentage, obviously, with him just scoring his first goal of the season. Um, The on-ice shooting percentage has actually been pretty good, so the team's converting. The on-ice numbers look pretty much the same as last year. It's really just that uh, Riley is not getting his share of them and his share of uh, his shots going in. And then the other problem, as you mentioned, the shots from him himself, uh, it's kind of interesting. His individual scoring chances, four per 60, uh, really in line basically with his entire career, actually even higher than last year. So the chances from decent areas to score are the same, but he's just taking less shots overall, uh, which obviously kind of hurts for our, uh, our counting stats for fantasy. So, I think he might be just uh, changing the kind of player he is this year. He's kind of yo-yoed back and forth the last few years. If you go back to 2019-20, 6.5 shots per 60. Year after that, 4.7 shots per 60. Um, Last year, 6.8 shots per 60. And this year, 5.1 shots per 60. So he's kind of gone back and forth, back and forth the last few years. I do think that he's more of like a 6-plus shots per 60 player, you know, historically in his career. That's where he's been the last five, six, seven years. So I do think that's probably where he ends up getting back to, but you can't discount the idea that uh, perhaps something's just different about this season and the way he's attacking things in the offensive zone. So there's that as well. And then there is uh, the fact that he's getting a minute less average time on ice uh, this season. The young guns, uh, Sandine and Liljegren especially, have stepped up for the Leafs in a big way this year, and they've really been kind of evening out the playing time across all these defensemen. They kind of have uh, top six that they feel they can play any pair at any time, and so they've really been, I think, consciously trying not to overwork any single defenseman. 
Mm-hmm. And so it seems like Riley's uh, taking a little bit of a hit there in the overall time on ice just due to that fact. So um, all things told, I think, yeah, you can't count on, would you say, 68-point pace last year. Yeah. You can't count on that uh, being the case for Riley. He's on a 50-point pace this year, so it's not like he's, you know, uh, just totally out to lunch here. I do think uh, with the IPP, uh, that should come back up. He should be, all things told, uh, more of a 60-point pace guy uh, rest of season. So I do think there is probably a buy low here. Um, just be warned, there could be stretches where he's not getting that deployment uh, and that uh, on the top power play, and that's really going to bite you because you're going to be sitting there with a guy um, who's not, you know, generating a ton in terms of like shots and stuff like that and you're just waiting for that power play to come back you can't do anything with riley at that point um you're just waiting for it to inevitably come back so all that being said uh yeah again with toronto the team numbers look really really good 21st in corsi four per 60 and ninth in scoring chances four per 60 for riley so team context very good it's really just uh some efficiency and then uh seemingly a decision to shoot less this year for Riley that are kind of holding him down so far. All right, folks, that's all we've got for this episode. Uh, But Blake, I did want to give you the chance. I wanted to know what your immediate reaction was to listening to Vincent Trocheck, your guy, Vinny Tro, friend of the show, uh, give the apples and Cheetos podcast a shout out when you listen to it. Uh, What was your instant reaction? Dude, it was epic because, well, first Nate was kind of, you know, teasing me a bit saying, you know, listen to the show, but he wasn't giving me anything. So I didn't know what was going on. Um, I was floored, actually. So it's just such a cool thing. And you know what, Vinny Tro, you got a fan for life, buddy. I'll tell you, I am the unofficial president of the Vinny Trocheck fan club confirmed okay um you know so but i just thought it was cool as hell um you know i'm a big fan of any tro especially in cats leagues as we as we know but uh yeah it was <laughs> awesome man so i'm stoked and i'm telling you we're getting some more all right like i said apples genos nick suzuki call me buddy let's get to biz <laughs> nick suzuki is the next one that's yeah right. i mean if if anybody else listening to the podcast knows any nhl players and they want to <laughs> they want to reach out and get them to give us another shout out we'll definitely play it let's uh, get it cool to, it's pretty cool to get that and definitely i think suzuki's got to be top of the list uh, moving forward from here all right, folks, hopefully this podcast brought you some value. Hope you get a little bit better at fantasy hockey today. All the advanced stats you heard today came from Natural Statric, terrific free resource. Many thanks to the band there, there for supplying the music for the podcast. Be sure to check out their Spotify. And that's it, folks. Much love. Enjoy your week, everybody.